Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure and for the last episode of season five, we are joined by Danny Bent. Danny was voted one of the 100 happiest people in the UK and one of the 50 most inspirational people in London. He is an award-winning author, journalist, Guinness World Record holder and celebrated adventurer and community leader. He helps people who feel chained by life to break free come together and realise that they are capable of something incredible. Creating happier lives, more powerful leaders and encouraging the artists of life to create. In this final episode of season five, Danny speaks on his natural infectious personality and how he became one of the happiest people in the UK. We also take a look behind the happy mask to see what makes Danny tick as he speaks openly about his own downtimes and what motivates him to be active. We go through two of Danny's incredible challenges, how they came about and what happened with them, including an amazing story which includes a beard full of bugs and that will make sense later. Outside and Active is more than just a podcast, so if you want to be inspired, educated or just learn something new, then you can head to outsideandactive.com. And with that, let's get straight into this episode of the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. And you know what? Today I could really do with a smile. And isn't it just lucky? What a coincidence that I'm joined today by special guest Danny Bent. Danny, hello. How are you doing? I'm great, Don. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been it's it's a pleasure. It's 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 been a long time that we've uh, we've known each other. I first met you at the National Running Show South in, what was it? Was it September of 2021? Yeah, must be. A while ago now. And uh, we've met at the National Outdoor Expo as well, where you've been hosting and bringing the positive vibes. And uh, we'll chat about that in a little while and all of the things that you've been up to uh, before and what you're going to be up to in the future. But to start with, we've got a little segment which we do on every podcast, and it's offering you. Well, I'll be I'll be the the messenger offering you a piece of advice from our previous podcast guest, who was Sally Gunnell, the Olympic athlete, uh, absolutely lovely, lovely woman. And her piece of advice for you is to try your best to control that little negative voice that might be going on in your head. And if you have one, how have you been able to deal with that negative voice? in the past i absolutely love sally gunnell and i'm just loving that bit of piece of advice as well um, and it probably couldn't come at a, a more needed time we uh, when uh, i probably got a few little you know you introduced me as uh, someone that puts a smile on your face i was voted one of the hundred happiest people in the uk but obviously i still have downtimes and and right now is probably one of those those moments where I'm just like, ah, oh, you're kind of questioning things, wondering what you're doing in your life, all those sorts of things. So those little voices that Sally is talking about are are there and they're um they're just niggling. They're not like anything big, but they're just there. Um so yes, I've got to let those go. But I think, you know, I don't know what um whether the question at the end was uh, what do I do about them when I hear them? Yeah. Was that yeah, that was right. Um I mean, really, there's there's loads of things. The best thing I can do, it, you, which is completely utterly fitting for this podcast, is just to get outside, go and do what I love, and and beyond that is to surround myself with um, positive individuals, people I like being with. I think 
humanity and even for me more than I think most people I just need to be around people and if I'm around people then I'm just in I'm in just great spirits it's why people think of me as this kind of enigma of positivity because they only ever see me when I'm around people and if I get kind of in one of those spaces where I've been sitting on my laptop too long in my own house and I haven't really seen anyone, that's when those kind of voices start coming in. So I just know as soon as they're there that I need to get out, be around people. And they, they get, they get blown away by, by the wind and they get uh, dehydrated by the sun or I, get, I drown them in the mud that I'm stomping through. <laughs> Well, that kind of leads on to, to our staple question quite nicely, is you've, you've probably touched on it there, but what do you love about being outside and active? Everything is the simple answer. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I just think that you, can, you could go kind of um, scientific with it in the way that when you're, you're outside, you're surrounded by green open space. Like humans, that kind of primitive version of myself looks at that green and goes, oh, it's okay. I'm going to be able to drink. I'm going to be able to eat. So it just relaxes a little bit. There's the wide open expansive views. So when your, your primitive you is looking at that and seeing that there is no predators, there's nothing that is going to attack you. So again, you relax again. And, um, but of course I'm like a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I, I love the, the, the the drugs you get from running the the endorphins the dopamine the serotonin the oxytocin um and so you know there's, there's all those bits as well it's great to share it um yeah it's amazing where did that love for the outdoors begin because we can clearly see it now and hear it now from you talking about it but where did that begin i think well it be, it begins probably in the same way with everything you do in your life, it begins with your parents and mum and dad were both, uh, you know, dad was a, a top class runner. He was always out training. If I wanted to spend some time with dad, it was a good idea to put on my little training shoes when I was two years old, you know, and, uh, I talk about this quite often where there's this memory that I'm holding my mum's hand and we're probably running 10 meter segments of the hill by the side of my house and dad's running, uh, you know, a hundred meter segments, but when he turns around, we turn around, we run back down again. And so it's, you know, it's been there since pretty much since birth, I think. And my family love a good walk through the hills. And I remember as like a, a seven year old, an eight year old, absolutely hating it and kind of being dragged because <laughs> I just wanted to play with my toys or go down the road and play computers with my friends or something. Yeah. But um, it's so funny now because that's me. <laughs> and then, you know, and then with my nieces and nephews, we'll drag them along for uh, walks and things like that. Where did you grow up? Did you, were you on the doorstep of the outdoors? Yeah, I was, I was living, I was born in Buxton in the middle of the Peak District, basically. And you know, we had the Buxton spring water used to kind of throw, flow through our garden and it was dreamy. We'd just disappear. Yeah, we, we, we'd kind of say to mum and dad that we were going up, into the hills just behind the house and then we'd just disappear for hours and then a, a frantic dad would come really cross running around looking for us and he'd be like your mum's crying and she's worried about you and, we're like, and then, then <laughs> we get put in our box for that but it never stopped us we were we were forever me my older sister my younger sister we um yeah we we liked exploring and kind of pushing the the, the realms of what we were allowed to do we've spoken to loads of people that love the outdoors on this podcast but 
there's one thing that really stands you out amongst everyone is that not everyone gets voted as one of the happiest people in the UK, but in the world as well. When, you know, obviously we've met quite a few times and you can really feel that infectious energy and happiness. And when you're speaking to, to crowds and audiences at the shows that we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, you can really feel that energy. How does someone come about from from being, you know, someone who loves the outdoors to then being someone who is known for almost being a happiness guru? I it's a really hard question for me to answer because, well, I mean, and, and 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 the hardness in answering it is actually probably the answer in that I was really encouraged when I was growing up to just be me. Um, I, I, I tell this story all the time about I'm dyslexic, I'm a little bit hyperactive, and I'm getting trouble at school, and I'd get home from school, and I, and I said to my dad this one time this is what I'm doing, this is what all the other kids are doing, there's red pen in all my books, I'm getting in trouble. And dad just looked at me and he just said, don't worry what anyone else is doing. Just be the best version of yourself. And that isn't exactly what happened, but it just gave me this kind of, you know, a strength and an energy for being true to me. And it, and when you've got the kind of unwavering love of your parents as yourself, I, it, it just allows you just a little bit more freedom. And I was able to explore myself the way around me a little bit more. I wasn't kind of sucked into um, doing what everyone else was doing. And I just think that for me, that is the secret of, of feeling good. It's, you know, like partially at the moment, you know, like when I say there's a, you know, I'm on a little, on on a little bump in terms of my happiness road. It's because I'm not probably quite, I hadn't been doing quite what I believe in, what really resonates with my heart and everything like that. And that's, uh, you know, most people go through their whole lives being that person who is trying to be something other than themselves. You like, you only have to look on Instagram. It's literally filled with people doing things for a photo, quickly wrap up, get back in the car, bugger off home again. Mm. It's like, that's that and that is the way we're now being you know and we see people thousands of people are liking this stuff so it's like oh that's what i should be doing and it's not about what thousands of people are liking it's about what you're liking if you want to feel a true vibration of goodness and happiness and well-being within you i think it's really interesting what you just just said there picking up on that of people looking at social media and the way that influences whether that be in the the health and fitness lifestyle or or otherwise, and you see a snapshot and you feel like that's how your life should be 24 hours a day, whereas that's their life in that one photo or that short 60-second image, uh, 60-second video. And it's just interesting you think about that because that can sometimes play on people's mind. You know, social media wasn't there before and now it is, and you often have these influences in, 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 in inverted commas that you should look up to but also it's important to recognize that that it's not always like that and it's you know as someone as yourself who presents yourself as being you know happiness motivation outside and I was going to ask you about this later on the podcast but you've, you've already spoken about it of saying you know it's not always like that of obviously I want to radiate positivity and energy but there are times where there are bumps in the road and you have to acknowledge that and, and work on that. 
Wow, so so much in one statement there. Um, yeah, social media is just like that 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 one click. That's all, that's all it is, and um, yeah, everyone goes through life. Um, and, it, and yeah, I yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, that there is. If if I am I being fully one hundred percent honest in my social media, probably not. They're they're just like little highlights. Part of that is because I'm I'm not actually too massively into it. Mm. So it tends to be if someone takes a picture of me, I'll post that picture rather than me orchestrating pictures to be taken or anything like that. So you do only you see the things that are picture worthy or or video worthy. Um and I do I do sometimes try and put things down, like, you know, how I'm feeling inside and but uh you know, just be quite honest. You don't need to put it all on social social media really. It should it can be just a conversation you're having. What it really should be is a conversation I'm having with a with a mate or you know, that's that type of thing. And uh but I, I, I when you were talking about it, I was thinking of we just got well, we, we went to um we climbed uh, Mount Makalu up just up to above base camp and there was no signal there at all. So we had about 20 people. I was kind of organizing the expedition and no one had cell kind of phones and, you know, basically no one had reception, definitely didn't get enough reception to get any internet through. And so everyone just put away their phones and dinner time and breakfast and lunch, you know, the times when you really come together. Oh my goodness. What a change because people are engaged in each other rather than their phones. And it, we, had, we had 20 days on this trek. And then when we got back, there was this city, uh, not a city, more like a town that we got to. And um, we heard that there was going to be reception there. Half the people turned their phones on, half, half of them didn't. And it absolutely just, what was the beauty that had been built for this trip kind of, tum- you could see it tumbling down. And it, there was a person sitting in front of me, just like eyes on their phone. And it, it made, I, I decided I wasn't going to switch mine on because I wanted to have one more day of peace. But the, just this person looking at their phone, I was just like leaned over and I'm looking at their phone because they're so entranced with it. It makes me think, well, well it must be something very interesting. So I, I started looking and it's just like, oh, wow, I'm being sucked back into that world. It's crazy. It is crazy. And the, the, I heard something recently, the TikTok theory where, you spend hours scrolling through TikTok or Instagram reels or various other social medias. And if you sit down afterwards and put your phone away and then go, someone asked you, what were the last five things that you saw on that social media app? And I was thinking, I probably couldn't tell you what the last five things were because you're just so it's, it's, it's almost like a muscle memory or something like that compared to genuine development or interest and stuff like that. So yeah, it's like a zombie. Exactly like that. But um, social media is a difficult one because of, of the reason you've spoken out. But it's also a position that you find yourself in where you have influence and get be able to connect and network with like-minded people. How did your journey from being an athletic, outgoing person turn to now where you are sitting today with a following and an influence and you know being able to, to work with amazing brands and connect with like-minded people? Well, I guess I guess like it's it's really cool to to put the balance on what you know. I've, we've just been kind of slating social media. The the thing that I've done in my life that I'm most proud of, and I'm sure we can touch on it, is was when the Boston Marathon bombings went off, and we organised a run from LA to Boston. And 
3,300 miles. We broke it up into 10 mile segments, stuck it out on a website. And this is, this is 10 years ago now. And we hit share and a, a lot of amazing things came from that. And there was, I'd never been to America. I didn't know anyone in America. So there was no way of connecting with people there, but social media connected me with them and it connected me with thousands of people and turned this tiny idea we had to show a little bit of support into something that ended up uniting the country and allowing people to vent their grief and raising, you know, we raised $600,000 for the people affected by the bombings. We didn't even mean to raise any money. It was almost accidental that that happened purely by the energy and the enthusiasm that social media was able to harness. So there's, you know, there are those highs and lows. And I I know that didn't answer your question, but um, how do I find myself? I just think it just happens, doesn't it? Initially it was Facebook and people were telling, you get get to start getting these notifications, don't you? Or or emails, I guess they are. They were at that time. (laughs) Emails saying um, someone's invited you to join Facebook and I'm just like what a load of rubbish delete <laughs> delete 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 and then eventually something happens and you know oh, just I'm just going to set it up to shut everyone up and you set it up and then you stop getting these emails inviting you which is good but and then you kind of realize even at that time where all you could do was put a kind of status update and a picture that was about all you could blooming do uh you soon start realizing the power that that has. And I guess the, the first thing I did that was tight connected slightly with that was when I did my cycle ride from London to India. And that was, you know, obviously there's just amazing stories all the time. And so I, I had a blog because that was still part of the culture then. And, um, and, and I, I, I put a few little bits onto social media and I guess things started to grow from there. And then, uh, oh, geez, I mean, I'm t- kind of going fast forwarding through things, but you, you, know, you write, write a book, people contact you on there. It just, you slow, you slowly get pulled in and then I guess you slowly pour more, more people in with what you're up yeah. to. I mean, touching on those adventures, they were the two that I'd, I'd love to dive into a bit more. I mean, you've done, a lot of different adventures. And if you look at when people look at your website after this, they'll, they, they can see on the adventures uh, site on the, that part of the site, what you have been up to. But like you said, the, 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 the run for the, after the tragic incident uh, in 2013, the Boston marathon, how did you get involved in that? Just almost, almost by accident and by passion and, um, you could probably put some sort of kindness or em- empathy in there as well. It was I was just sitting there listening to the radio with my friend Kate, and the the the, the rain. We'd just been for a run. I'm sitting there in my little red shorts, um, drinking a cup of tea, and then suddenly you hear the the radio changes from listening to wherever we were listening to at that time to news reports of what was going on in Boston. This kind of two bombs going off. Uh, initially you didn't hear about the deaths, but you, you just heard about the destruction, the, uh, the struggle of the, um, the res- first responders and all that sort of stuff. And then you hear that four people have died. Tens of people have had their limbs blown to pieces basically by these bombs. Yeah. And it, 
and you know, it goes back to what we initially started talking about in the, you know, my family, we're into running. I've supported my friend, my family runs. They've supported, they've supported me, excuse me. And, um, and, and I, I found love through running friendship and this beautiful, amazing community that uh, we're all part of uh, the running community is um, just done so much it's it's facilitated so much for me and then to see that community and attacked in such a manner it just felt um you know there's people running through the streets who have spent years to get to this moment this moment in time where they're able to even take part in the boston marathon it's you know the pain they've gone through to get there is is intense and then to have them at this moment, this moment of triumph. And it's, it's not like triumph in a way of like, oh, I made my first million dollars or million pounds. It's a triumph of like humans over adversity. It's, it's exactly, it's the little guy overcoming something much greater than he is. And to see them attacked at that moment when what should have been the most, one of the, peaks of their their year turns into this horrendous day of darkness that will haunt them for the rest of their lives and I, i'm going on about it but that's how i that, that I, all those moments hit me within a few seconds of hearing this and then i just had this this thought that we had to do something about it and like i say we we came up with this idea to run run from la to boston or create a run from LA to Boston where we, and, and we had this peace lily baton symbolizing peace, love and unity and humanity and all that sort of stuff. Um, we broke that route, that 3,300 miles into 10 mile segments, stuck it on our website, shared it on social media. And initially it was really, really quiet because obviously we didn't know anyone in America mm. and all sorts of things happened from uh, chat show hosts bringing it up on their screen and saying, is this, is this a big scam that's trying to make money out of uh, the people, uh, th- this, this tragedy. Yeah. And, um, you know, those sorts of things, they were, they were like someone driving a, a knife into your heart. You're trying to do something good for the world. And then someone's kind of accusing you of making money off this, this tragedy, which is completely and utterly the opposite of what happened, you know? Um, but those things, and I guess this is something beautiful, like, you know, some negative things, they, they happen, but then they, they force out a beauty and, and uh, that chat show host then got on people who'd signed up to run and interviewed them. And that, that of course, sparks the media and then everyone starts talking about it. And we needed 330 people to run 10 miles each to carry this peace lily baton continuously across the states. And the idea, the idea was support. That was it. It was to say, us guys across the pond, feel your pain. We're with you. And not much more than that. And, and obviously what transpired is thousands of people got involved and we ended up raising $600,000. Just and, and the beauty, like, there's so many beauties within this, so many lessons in life. One is if you act on a tiny idea with passion and enthusiasm and don't let those little things derail you. Yes. It might just turn into something small, but something might happen that just lights a fire and you might create something infinitely greater than 
you could have imagined and you could have possibly put on. And it just, you know, everyone engaged in such a way that they became, it became a team of a thousand people, 2000 people trying to make this thing work rather than me and Kate sitting there in the UK writing emails to restaurants, asking if any of their waiters did your run and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, is that, that power of when we're together, you know, like it's, it's in, humans working together on something is something, it, it's a, it's amazing. You you achieve so much more than your sum of your parts. It's kind of cliche, but it's just completely and utterly true. And then, yeah, hit me, Dom. I was going to say that, that it's, it must have been amazing to see it grow, but to actually then partake in it and and carry out that that supporting run, it must have been extremely emotional. Yeah, it was the hugely emotional. My mum and dad came out and took part and you, you were just meeting all these amazing people. Like, like famous people started getting involved and um, it would be, we, the only thing was is that we, we started it. We were supporting it. We flew out to LA and we set off seven weeks after the bombing. This is how fast it all happened. Wow. This is how fast social media can create a storm. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? And just, just to nothing, no, no, we didn't have any sort of social reach or anything at the time. There was, there was no, nothing really to, to be had. And you, this turns into something so huge. We set off seven weeks after we arrived in Boston, 11 weeks, uh, 11 weeks after the bombing. And the, the, the most amazing thing was, is that one of the people that had been involved in the blast, John Odom, who had both his legs blown to pieces, uh, he died twice on the operating table. And he carried the baton, uh, his daughter, who'd been running the marathon, he'd been supporting her, carried the baton over the, the Boston Marathon finish line, which was the finish line of our relay. And I just think, what a, what a guy going back seven, uh, 11 weeks after he's had the most traumatic experience of his, of his life, died twice on the operating table. He's, he's now going back to this place to reclaim it as his own, the strength that that shows. And to do that with his daughter, pushing him in his wheelchair, um, something incredible, the trauma he must have gone through being back there. But the, even going through that, he was able to look up at me when we went across that finish line and said to me, Dan, this is when I start to heal. And wow. those words were were just so utterly powerful for me from then on. And I, I'm sure they will be powerful for the rest of my life in, you know, like I was saying, referring back to this kind of these lulls in your life where you're kind of like questioning a bit what you're doing because you, you're kind of forging new pathways and doing weird stuff that people think, some people think is great. Some people think is completely utterly bonkers. And, you know, personally, I think both of those things are true. And, uh, but I, all I have to do if I'm starting to feel these down, down moments is open that little box that I put next to my heart. And as I, that I put his words in and it, it just, it opens up and it says, Dan, this is when I start to heal. And I'm like, I'm on the right path. There's no questions. There's no, there's no need for me to deviate and uh, keep going. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll come through the other side basically. And um, that's what John Odom, that was John Odom's gift to me as we, we went across that finish line, a thousand people behind him so many distractions and he still had that uh that kind of clarity of mind to gift me something so so powerful i i, I love that i mean what in, an incredible 
man and to, like you said to be able to go back there after such a tragic incident but I think your story there and the, the event in general shows the power of community bringing people together how sport can play a part in that and I think that's a really important message but also your own individual part of that of being wow we just want to show some support we have nothing to gain from this we just want to spread love we want to create something no, no matter how small it is and it organically grew so it's an unbelievable story and, and a massive congratulations probably isn't the right word but it, it must have been an amazing experience and and made a, a mountain of difference to the people that that were touched by by that tragic incident i mean what an amazing thing to be a part of the, the, thing, the thing is with that is that i actually think the money we raised was not even secondary or third in in line to how important it was that just this creating a community that people could and, and i think this is the beauty this is the strength that i have i have many uh, weaknesses in terms of organization and all this sort of stuff. But I do, what I do do is offer people this place. It, I don't, it's, it's not even, it's not pushing them towards it. It's not pulling them. It's just opening the door and just letting them know that and, and letting them be aware that there is a place where they can exist as themselves and, and be safe in, in being yourself. And, and I think people walk through that door and in doing so, changed their own lives. The people that took part found this part of themselves, this strength to be who they are. And that 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 is uh, was one of the insane great things that came out of it. The stories of hope that were de- delivered because like we're all going through stuff. It's not just the people that are involved in the the bombings. Like whether you're recovering from breast cancer or you've uh, your first son has passed away or a parent has passed away you this some every no one doesn't have a story and uh to just to help those each of those just in, in their own little way and people in the community came came together to support each other and, and and the beauty of relay running is that you get two people who don't know each other they've signed up to two separate legs when they come together they have to pass the baton and it breaks down these kind of crazy stupid things that we have in the world that uh stop us these barriers between communities and and people and every single moment was just like this big aha moment as someone would pass a baton to someone because we have people from the navajo indians the the native american people and that they're passing to a ceo who's working for some sort of oil baron or, you know, like whatever it is. And there's this, there's this moment when they come together and it's just like, you just share this moment in time where you can completely and utterly understand where the other one's coming from. And, and, and I, and I, and I think that is, you know, it's, it's a sprinkling of seeds and, and one or two of them grow into flowers, but there, there, there are people's minds that have been changed by these relay handovers, which are, which is, it's, it's an honor and a total beauty to watch. And being a part of something like that is would be just doing one adventure like that is is enough for someone, it seems, for a lifetime. But you've done more than that. And another thing that you've taken on, as you touched on earlier, is the cycle ride from the UK to India. What was that? How did that come about? Why? I guess, I mean, that, that, that actually starts as an 11-year-old up on stage uh, as I'm leaving school. Um, and 
the headmistress has got us all up. We're going to senior school, gets us in a line. She says to us, what is it? All the pupils are in front of us. The parents are sitting behind. The, the teachers are lining the sides. And she says, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, you know, stupid throwaway question, really. Probably quite boring for most people. But, and, you know, people are saying doctor, lawyer, footballer, vet, you know, all those sorts yeah. of things. And it came to me and I said that I wanted to cycle around the world and raise money for charity. And that I have absolutely no idea where that came from because, you know, at that time, that was just an, an no one's doing that sort of stupid stuff. Not 11 even, years old. <laughs> no, definitely not an 11 years old. And then, and then even when I, when I did do it, this is about 13 years ago now, 14, 14 years ago. It's gets a bit scary when these things start getting so far behind you. But um, even when I decided to do that, I'd, I'd had this, there was something within me. I, I, w- I went from uni, I went into these corporate finance jobs and they were terrible. And I would work for as long as I possibly could, crying at my desk, crying on the way to work. It was just thinking, this is the next 50 years of my life. So I would work for um, as long as I possibly could without losing my mind. And then I'd quit, go traveling. And I'd come back from traveling and it's amazing. Traveling is just, you know, it's the most joyous experience, going to meet new people in crazy places and everything. But there was just this little part of me that I, and I didn't know what it was that was not was not feeling satisfied. No work again for six months, go traveling again with that money, come back, be skin, work for a bit, go traveling. And, and this thing that was, was missing was that uh, I think that was that that childhood dream of cycling. And, and when, when I was about 29, I, I decided I was going to cycle out to this village in India, this in the Southern tip of India, where there's, you know, people, uh, I, was a t- I went, I became a teacher before then, and I was going to be a teacher at this school. And they, the kids have to kind of avoid the tigers and elephants on the way to school. And they have to walk for, um, I think it was two hours to go and get the water and bring it back. For, it's, it's, wow. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and I was teaching the kids at school about this village, basically. And um, it kind of inspired me more than them and ended up cycling out there to go and to go and teach there. And that was probably that first moment of absolute utter being utter kind of that light inside yourself just kind of just going off and feeling as though oh my goodness all the jigsaw pieces are in place this is exactly what I am supposed to be doing right now and of course you have like crazy adventures all along the way from whether it's being chased by wild dogs or propositioned by girls in the night or um you know held at gunpoint waking with maggots in your beard just the stories go on and on and on and each one of those is is a lesson learned and a strength that you can you can take forward and you're actually going back to sally gunnell you just like those moments where you where stuff is crazy stuff is going on it's it's quite often possible rather than negating the negative things that are going on in your mind you just try and f- I, I would say you just try and find that tiny positive and that positive can grow and um you know whether that's the it can be as simple as this is going to be the best blog post i write or something like that and that um you know that that grows into kind of a smile on your face and, and I, I believe truly believe a smile in a, a totally authentic way can disarm anyone anywhere um i guess as long as they're not too crazy but um yeah yeah so yeah yeah it's, it's, it's amazing six i don't know nine thousand miles over six months 
and 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 actually that journey was the prologue to me writing a book about it, which you know, I'll go back to what we were saying. I'm dyslexic. It's something that didn't come naturally to me, but people encouraged me to put my blogs into a story. And I absolutely loved that. And that was another, that was another moment of complete and utter uh, release and love of that complete moment in time. It just felt very, very natural. And my, my you know, the, the, the thing when, if you read my emails, the, the thing that's most obvious that I still have that kind of dyslexic, tendencies even when you've got spell checker and all that sort of stuff is uh writing things like there there and there and two two and two the the homophones of each other and and i I just can't i know what they are academically i know what they are but when i'm writing i it's uh it doesn't come through that way but um you know and the person who was editing it had a bit of a joke about about that i kind of do you know do you know what which one's which and um, but that, that, the, the writing the book is almost more of an achievement than the cycle itself because I've always been a little scallywag riding around on my bike. And as a kid, we had a, uh, a cellar that was full of broken bikes. And my dad used to kind of take this today's broken bike and fix it with bits of yesterday's broken bike. And uh, I've, I've always had a kind of tendency to go off and do silly things. And But, but sitting down still and putting your heartfelt emotion and, uh, onto page is something that was very very new and uh, but, but you know it went on to win awards and uh was a bestseller and you know that sort of stuff still make i'm like i'm looking at you now shaking my head because it's just so crazy that something like that happened to a boy like me is it quite what's the experience like trying to transfer your experience of doing these challenges into written form can you can you get across you have some support with that but can you get across the kind of the low times, the high times, the people you meet and all of those experiences that you've spoken about. I think that's something that, cause I actually, I'm, I am a doctor said to me fairly recently, I was living with her and she said, oh, do you take medicine for your ADHD? And I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I got ADHD. She's like, you're the most ADHD person I've ever met. So I've kind of done a little bit of research. I'm like, whoa, this is literally talking about me. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. One of the things it talks about is that you live really in, uh, um, you're in the present moment. You really live at this present moment if you've got ADHD, partly because you've been distracted by things all the time. So you're taking everything in around you. And I think that is actually really, really good for writing because and, and it, you, you can read people's facial expressions and things like this. And that, uh, it, that's really, really good for if you wanted to create a story and describe it. And I think that's one of the things that I do best. And People say when they're reading that book that they feel like they're on a bicycle next to me riding along because it's that vivid uh, um, an experience. And, and, you know, and, I, and I'm not a trained writer. It's like you can tell that that isn't this isn't Shakespeare that's before you. It's just some dude on a bike who's the same as you and you could do the same thing. That, that kind of feeling. And aware that all of these stories will be in or are in the, in the book that people can read and, and buy. But I have to ask you about the maggots in the beard. I, uh, well, well, I'd actually arrived in, in northern India by this point, And I'd just come across the border. I'd gone into this town. I probably stopped for some grub and met, um, met three guys, uh, two, two guys and one girl. And we decided we were going to share a piece, a bit of accommodation just to save some money. And we got this um, really simple room, four beds lined up basically next to each other. And 
there was one drop toilet. And what the guys hadn't told me before we actually started having this conversation was that they were, they'd both got the, the dreaded deli belly. And um, there was, so at one point in the night, there were these three people fighting for a drop toilet with projectile vomit, projectile diarrhea, l- literally fighting for a hole that was absolutely full of said uh, bodily fluids. And um, so, so, I mean, this is just the, you know, the, 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 the leading in, giving you an idea of what's going on. And slowly they all fall asleep one by one in their beds. And I, I have the one on the far side of the room and, uh, you know, they're all, I'm a bit of a, I, can, I guess a little bit motherly in some respect, even if I'm not in all the respects, but um, I didn't feel like I could go to sleep until they were all sorted. And I lay down on my bed, the light, switch the light out. We're all lying there, hopefully going to sleep. And I just felt, uh, as I lay there on my head on the pillow, I start feeling these things hitting me in the, in the, um, the, in the face. And I actually, at the time I thought they were bed bugs because that's something you kind of, from traveling, you get a little bit used to. And I was just grabbing them in my hands. I was squeezing them between my two fingernails and just squeezing them on the floor. And they kept coming and I just thought, I just, I'm just going to roll a roll mat out beneath me and hopefully that will stop them at least biting me all over my back, which they do if you uh, get the crease in the bed at the wrong point and everything. And, um, and I actually, you know, I was, I was tired. It was, it's hard work doing all this cycling and I fell asleep. And even though there was these ones, sometimes they'd hit you in the tear ducts and, and that's a great way to wake yourself up in the morning. <laughs> but, uh, and I get up in the morning, uh, I, I kind of, you know, I need a wee, go into this, go, go down to the, where the drop toilet is. There was this little shard of mirror on the right hand side. And I kind of glance at it as I'm going by to make sure I'm still looking handsome. And, and as I, I kind of went past it, I was like, oh, well, I've aged about 20 or 30 years. My hair had all gone white. I'd had this big kind of shag of blonde hair and I had a big ginger beard and uh, kind of went back and I looked in the mirror. And yeah, it's right. My, my beard had turned white, my hair had turned white. And I leaned closer and you could see that it was just completely and utterly full of maggots and they were, I'd had this rotten beam above the bed and they'd been dripping on my face the whole night. And if you can imagine a little bit of snoring going on, it's, uh, it's not the most pleasant of thoughts. Uh, but they were dripping from this beard of mine. And I was just like, this is going to be the most viral profile picture anyone has ever seen. So I'm holding them into my, into my beard whilst I shout at those guys that are all sick and get them to get a camera to get a picture. And um, yeah, wow, crazy times. Listeners couldn't couldn't see my face and my reactions during that story, but that was a whole experience. That was amazing. <laughs> more stories like that than, than than you can go onto Danny's website and you can go head over to the Amazon link and 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 get that book because that if that if there are more stories just like that, then it was quite an experience. And I'd be interested to know is is there a challenge that you haven't done yet uh, for any reason that you really really want to do? <sighs> That's a really big question. Um, probably there are, there are, there's all sorts of things. There's places I'd like to see. I'd like to go and see Patagonia. I think it just looks incredible. And that kind of, you know, just like I was saying at the beginning, the big open plains and uh, everything, it just looks absolutely amazing, the mountains. But is there an adventure there that I, I really care about? Probably not. Um I feel like I've, uh, there's a part of me that is satisfied in terms of adventure. and I, But there is still the one thing within me which comes generally, if, I, if I'm starting to think it, I know I'm probably at a bit of a wobbly time of life. And it 
And it's it's that kind of I want to escape from everything. I want to escape from these kind of social norms that are constructed around us, this society. You know, like you know, even just seeing the way we're, what we're doing to the environment or what's going on in Russia, and you know, when you're losing hope in humanity, I think, and um, and that's having a consequence on you as well. And I, I, I always go to this idea of just setting off, setting off east, and just running and and saying I'm and and kind of being open with that, and that's just what I'm doing. I'm just going to run east until I want to stop, and if that means that you run all the way around the world. That'd be absolutely bloody amazing, but I wouldn't want to put that pressure on myself to say I'm running around the world because that's a big old undertaking, and yeah, I'm not even sure my old knees and ankles and hips can handle it now. But uh, it's still there, and I'm like, it's it's still nagging at me, uh, or if it, or or something where you go from Cairo to Cape Town or something like that, where you do something that's beyond the cycle i think i think that's the thing you do yeah. crazy things and then you kind of want to up them it's the it's the downfall of all all addicts i think really and uh, i guess maybe i'm an adventure addict and i want to i want a bigger hit uh yeah we've definitely, so that, we've definitely that's where i'm definitely heard that from people that we've spoken to before of they take on a big challenge and then it's like right what next? And there's always something like you've just said there, even if it's something that oh, I could never do that, but it's always still, it's still there. wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see Danny Bent running across the world <laughs> in some form of running from, from Cairo to, to the Cape. But um, I think you kind of touched on, touched on it there. One of your big passions is sustainability. Um, tell me about One Run Global, what it, you know, how it came about and, and what you're doing for it. Yeah, I mean, One Run Global was just, uh, we were actually, one of the things I've been working on ever since that relay in America and just seeing how beautifully it brings people together was this thing, I was, you know, a work in progress called the World Relay. And I was wanting to create a relay that went all the way around the world, which was, you know, which it would be a good a good way of expressing that kind of run around the world idea, but just make other people run it instead, which would be good. Um <laughs> And uh, and so we kind of we were working on it. We've been years in the making of trying to bring in contacts and bring in people that were interested in um, helping to finance it and all that sort of stuff. And we were getting, I think we were getting really close to a level where within, I don't know, a year, 18 months, we were going to be uh, creating, like really getting it out there for people. And, um, but then obviously COVID hits, which is, uh, was uh, a brutal thing in my life in some ways, but also incredibly beautiful. Um, and that stopped us having the, being able to bring people together and like the idea of handing a metal object across, across borders from person to person was the most ridiculous idea at that time uh, possible. So we, we, we kind of this is the greatness of the people that I, I work with in on these sorts of things that we're very quick to respond to things and we we quickly realized that this was not going to be something that we could make happen anytime soon and because I, I actually think probably even now we're not well we're definitely not there's still borders that are closed so uh, we, we made this quick decision that we were going to kind of change it and, and one of the things that bothered us about a world relay is you already see like 29 different countries if you just go one line straight around the world and i was like well is that a world relay if you haven't got everyone else involved as well and this presented finding the positive in everything 
an opportunity to kind of scratch that itch. And so we went about trying to find people in every single country in the world. And the idea that we'd run at the same time in our time zone, and it would kind of create a Mexican wave or or kind of relay a time zone relay around the world. And we we ended up getting someone from every single country in the world, including South Sudan, North Korea, you know, Chile, America, wherever, you know, all the all the the small tiny islands that no one's ever heard of. And we had someone running in every single one of those countries over a 24 hour period. And uh, it was all to do with um you know, it was it actually was to do with breaking down those those barriers and just bringing us all a little bit closer together. And and there's only so much you can do with a kind of virtual event because the beauty of humanity is when you actually put, bring people together. But even just having this virtual moment where we all took part at the same time, it, it made people feel a little bit more connected with the world, especially at a time when we were hugely isolated and at a time where I think in the UK, we were, we were allowed to have up to 50 people meeting at the time we did it. Um, but the, the in other countries, people were still having to go out for their runs on their own. But so that at this point, they were able to go running with our little app, track themselves, and they would get a, a notification when it came to their hour, when it was their turn to run, that whoever it was, uh, Hamid from uh, Pakistan was passing to uh, Raoul from Turkey or wherever. I'm getting the, the time zones wrong. But, you know, you, you did actually get past the baton from someone in that other time zone. It was kind of randomly selected. And it just made people feel a little tiny bit connected. And again, it's that thing, like we're not trying to create big oak trees. We're just planting uh, a few acorns. And if one of them grows, then we're, we're winning. And um, so, you know, and for, you know, it's just great to do it for equality and that sort of thing. Anyway. It, was just, it was it was really actually really, really nice to be part of it. A, a very interesting thing personally to see whether you can, Again, social media. We managed to reach every single corner of the world through social media. With with North Korea, we had to. Everyone else was we were connected to, but the, through the North Korean uh, person, they had to be. They had to go through a telephone kind of conversation with someone we knew outside of there, and they got them get them doing it. But uh, wow. it it shows you the power that this um, we we now have. So what have you got coming up next? Yeah, personally, I've got uh, always my workload is very heavy over spring and summer. It's the kind of well-being season, you know, new lambs, new ideas, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I kind of get wheeled out into corporate offices for talks and things. And nearly all my work goes on in those time. And um, I'm actually so I've got kind of a few months now where I find myself I've got the London Marathon you know, we're recording a little bit before um, release date, obviously, and I've got the London Marathon this weekend, which I'm hoping to kind of push out a sub three on. And then I've got a few months off where I'm looking for something fun to do. It's like, what is that? What is it like you're saying is what is that adventure that you really want to do? I just feel like I want to get away and just have some time exploring, learning about myself, learning about other cultures and things like that. But if anyone on listening has a great idea feel free to kind of share it in the links and i'll be looking at them and uh, maybe Something give me some inspiration uh, well it, it's like you just said there london marathon sub three hours i think 
it's important to note that amongst all of these challenges, all of the the positive radiation and that you know the happiness man that you are, you're also a bloody good athlete. <laughs> you're also very good at running and cycling and and sport. I mean, correct me. You might have to correct me on the details, but uh, for the for the Yorkshire duathlon, you've qualified for the your age group team GB part. Talk to me about that because that sounds amazing. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, you know, I'm 43. There's less people doing. I mean, I don't. I don't even know if that's true actually. But um, anyway, I put in my I, one of my good friends. She's probably the one of the best athletes I know, but she also is a little bit sub sub optimal in terms of confidence. And I was like, well, we're going to enter this race and I, I, I bet you, you're going to qualify for great Britain. And so we entered the race and um, lo and behold, I think she came second. She qualified for great Britain to go to the, go to the duathlon championships and Europeans. And I got a call up to um, take part in the, the championship, which is just super, super mega. You get to wear great British kit and have, you know, my name's bent. Uh, you know, I've, this is 30 years ago. I got quite a bit of grief, uh, which I absolutely loved. I love being a center of attention, whether I'm getting grief or not. I didn't really <laughs> mind. But um, so, yeah, it's nice to have that kind of on your front, on your back and everything like this. And this was last, was it last weekend? Yeah, it was a weekend just, be, just before. Uh, and yeah, so we took part, I came eighth in my age group in, in Europe, which I, I'm not under any illusion that makes me the eighth fastest person in Europe in my age group. That's, just total loads of rubbish, but I was the eighth fastest that took part. So um, Abby came second in her age group, had to go up on stage and pick up a, uh, a silver medal. So it, 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 the, what I was hoping to achieve was achieved. She got to pick up a, um, an international medal. And I think I, that's going to kind of warm her heart in the same way as John Odom's words were good for me. You know, like these things that, that happen along the way are you kind of collect them and, not not the actual physicality of it, but just what it what it represents. And the penultimate question to ask you on this podcast: What gets you up in the morning? Um, just I mean, like, like you know, I, I really have been trying recently. I'm trying trying on a, on a bit of a fitness kind of kick to see where I can actually get to. And just so I get up and I just kind of. The, the thought of being able to go out, run down by the river near me, there's a little plunge pool I go and jump into. It that's great, but I tell you, I wouldn't do it if I hadn't if I didn't organise to do it with other people. So I think people are what get me out of bed in the morning. Um, and, and the world is amazing. Just by existing, you you have experiences that are are incredible. And the more you push that existence and push your own kind of lifeblood and see where you're push the limits of what you think you are capable of that is where the real the real beauty is found as you step past those barriers and yeah that, that's something i really love as part of what i do with organizing adventures for people it's encouraging people to step past their physical barriers they smash past them with flying colors kind of thing and then they're like oh what about my work barriers or my social barriers or my relationship barriers and you start looking at everything in life as though it's a little bit more achievable and that can't do that everything's achievable if, if you want it enough you can go and get it and probably if you if you don't want it you won't get it so um yeah 
I love that. Simple as that. I love that. And just before I ask you the final question, where can people go to find out more about you, what's coming up, and all of the adventures that you've had in the past? Yeah, I mean, my website's super easy. It's got links to everything else. DannyBent.com. Instagram something I'm on the, on the most. Danny underscore Bent. That's probably the best places. Amazing. And Danny, what is your piece of advice for a guest coming up on the Outside and Active podcast? Um, I think really, let's be quite honest, I've been banging on about it the whole time we've been chatting. And I think it's that advice that my dad gave me when I was younger, and that's to be you, be you as hard as you can be, because that you is the best you you can be. That's amazing. Danny, I wanted a smile at the beginning of this podcast and I've finished with one on my face and as your f- and on your face. And we've, we've spoken about some important topics and uh, some things close to your heart and, uh, you know, the importance of being real uh, and on social media, but also just in life. And and we've got there and we've we've had a smile at the end. It's been a great honour to have you on the podcast and we hope you have a great day. Uh, cheers, John. Thanks very much. And the end of that conversation with Danny brings to the end of season five of the Outside and Active podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Danny and found his energy to be extremely infectious as well as his stories to be incredibly inspiring. I also hope that you've enjoyed the rest of this series as much as this episode. You can go back through and listen to all the seasons from one to four right now on your page of Spotify, Apple, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. But make sure you go and listen to a few more until we are back next week with the first episode of season six. As always, if you enjoy this podcast and you think you know someone who also might enjoy it, make sure to forward it on to them so we can grow this awesome community. Also, if you think there's someone that you would love to hear on the podcast as a guest, then let us know. You can follow us on Instagram at at be outside be active same thing on facebook let us know who you'd like to see the podcast and we'll try our best to make it happen i'll be back next week with another inspiring and interesting guest on the outside and active podcast for season six wow season six and until that time enjoy the outdoors 